This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much again for joining us on this ongoing and valuable discussion on how to create a just society right where you are. We are in the middle of a quite a long series on the compendium of the social doctrine of the church that the Pontifical Council of the Catholic Church put together few years ago to really unify the teachings of, of uh, social justice, the social teachings uh, of the church. But really, it's not just social teachings of the church. It is universal teachings because these are universal truths that, they, that applies to all humans. And today we're talking more about the economy. Last time we had guest uh, Brett Fitzgerald from the Catholic Worker House in Northeast Portland, uh, speaking to us about how that all works out in the neighborhood when it comes to economy, especially local economy. And uh, today we're just going to, again, hash out some more details on now economies at large uh, here in Chapter 7 of the Compendium. Um, I remember in an economics class in high school, or my economics teacher did this interesting game I look back on it fondly now. It was actually kind of fun. I'd like to try it again sometime. But what he did, we were talking about the stock market and how to, you know, how the people on the the floor of the New York Stock Exchange work. And in that, what he did was set up eight Monopoly boards. Now, Monopoly is one of my favorite games of all time. It's interesting because it's kind of a combination of luck of the dice and strategy and all of that, but uh, he he put up eight Monopoly boards in the classroom, and each of us had a piece on each Monopoly board, and we didn't have to wait till it was our turn to make a deal with another player to swap a property or whatever the deal might be. Uh, we could make deals uh, all the time, constantly through the game. So basically, I was responsible for making deals and uh, rolling the dice and paying attention to my properties and all that on eight different monopoly boards. And literally like the New York stock exchange, we were yelling over each other through the different boards, people trying to grab your attention, trying to make this deal here, this deal there and all this. And it got really confusing after a while. And you're like, how do I keep up with this? Especially I have ADHD. So that made it Kind of confusing, and but then again, I was like, mm, this kind of feels like what's inside my head anyways all the time. But uh, it was fun. And it was a good learning experience. But that can be the way it feels with economies, can it? Like economies at large, like whether it's capitalism, socialism, and all the discussions on which economy we should run on. Oh, wow. It gets chaotic at times, and you feel like the voices are yelling over each other. So today, let's bring some, again, common sense Let's bring some, some unified discussion around the discussion of economy 
and how economy should work uh, in a just society. Now, I don't like providing all the answers. Uh, rather, I prefer uh, to, to get you discussing with your family and friends on the points we bring out here. Uh, today, we're going to talk about poverty. We're going to talk about wealth, uh, business, and why business exists, and what really is the heart of the problem behind our economies. We're going to look in the Christian Bible today and do a study on Old and New Testament economics to get kind of a picture on how God views economy uh, in our world. But let's look at poverty. I want to begin by talking about poverty because poverty exists in all economies. The discussions that you hear today on the media and from politicians, it's almost like there somehow is this magical economy out there that uh, for some people it's capitalism, some people it's socialism, some people it's distributism or whatever. That somehow there's this magical economy out there that solves all problems. And what they do is they pick apart and show all the problems in a current economy and say, if we just switched over to this other economy, these problems would be solved. And the fact is, there is poverty and an immense amount of poverty in every economic system in all of history. The poor as Jesus says, will always be with you. And looking back, we can truly say the poor have always been with us. Poverty exists. Uh, it's a reality in this world. And, uh, but poverty is not bad in itself. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi talked of having a love affair with Lady Poverty. Jesus obviously took on poverty uh, there is the vow of poverty among monastics. Poverty, which is the breaking of worldly attachments. If poverty is chosen, then it is the breaking of worldly attachments is a very positive thing because it is good to break worldly attachments. You cannot come into unity with the creator without breaking all worldly attachments. So it's a very positive thing. In fact, throughout the scripture and among the saints, we learn that the rich are in great danger of forfeiting their souls due to worldly wealth. In fact, St. <coughs> Liguori, who wrote uh, a small book called Conformity with the Will of God, said that uh, the rich put themselves in grave danger of, of uh, grave harm to their soul. And so that's a warning from the saints. The problem with poverty, though, comes when people are involuntarily forced into poverty due to corruption in the economic systems and politics. So what I want to talk about now is, is poverty as we think of it. Poverty where people are forced into it because of corruption in an economic system, corruption in politics. What this does is it stifles people's needs from being met and from having the ability to thrive in a free society. Now, if you remember, uh, a just society is a society where everyone has equal opportunity to thrive. Not where everyone's equal. I want to make that clear, but has equal opportunity to thrive. And we'll talk more about how actually inequality is a natural thing in our world. We'll talk about that later. But this stifles people's needs to, to have their needs met. So the purpose of 
an economic system, including capitalism, should not be to make everyone wealthy. Let me say it again. The purpose of an economic system should not be to make everyone wealthy, but to give everyone the opportunity to thrive and realize their potential. Again, the opportunity to thrive. So that's where I have problems with the government-controlled economic systems because those opportunities are taking away from people to thrive. Now, here's where we get into inequality being a natural thing. You know, we hear this big talk in our society about how, you know, we want everything equal, everybody equal, everybody this and that. That's not possible and it's not good, actually. Because not everyone is going to be on the same financial plane in a free uh, economic system. Because why? Everyone has different goals. So I like the free market system, which that's a better term than capitalism, because capitalism is basically like socialism is where the government controls everything and capitalism is where corporations control everything. I like more of a free market system where people can get creative because they have the freedoms to be creative. But some people, um, let me clear that up a little bit before I go on because you might get confused. So in capitalism, what happens, and I'm not talking about true socialism and true capitalism because those have never existed. I'm talking about the way they always exist. In capitalism, you have an appearance of freedom for people to thrive. But what happens is once a corporation grows large enough, then it seeks to shut down any competition. That's same thing as socialism. It's just that in one hand, the government's doing it. In the other hand, corporations are doing it. So what I prefer is a free market society where individuals have the freedom to grow and to thrive and to be creative with their potential. Now, again, I want to explain that in not everyone in a free economic system will be on the same financial plane. And we should not hope for that because everyone has different goals. The fact is some people want to be wealthy, but some people don't. Some people love simplicity. Some enjoy other things in life. Some people say, man, I want to have a enough wealth where I can travel anytime I want. I don't have to go to work all the time and just work a little bit, but travel either to see things or to go to, you know, places like Africa and help the poor. And I want the freedom to do that and have the wealth to be able to do that and to help them. That's good. But other people say, I want a simple life. I, I want a house with a small farm. And I just want to work with the earth and my little small farm. Simple. Simplicity. I don't need a big fancy car. I don't need huge television and all that. I just want to work the earth and my little plot on the earth. Simplicity. Monks. Nuns. Life of simplicity. So what we're striving for in a just economic system is where everyone has the potential and the freedom to reach their goals. And in capitalism, that's not possible because the corporations dominate everything. And in socialism, it's not possible because the government dominates everything. What distributism is, and I'm still working out in my mind what I think of distributism, which was promoted by a pope in the 1800s, promoted by G.K. Chesterton. But it kind of is a mix where the government 
is ensuring that people, everyone owns property and ensuring that there's freedom. Uh, and, and, and in distributism, it eliminates like big box stores, those kinds of things. In distributism, it only allows corporations where corporations are necessary. For example, in the building of cars, you kind of need a big corporation to be able to handle that process uh, so that it's affordable uh, for, for the general public. But I still haven't come to a conclusion what I think of all of that just yet. But poverty is good in that it allows an individual to pursue spiritual things without being distracted by the demand of wealth. But wealth, which we'll get to in a moment, is not a bad thing either. But poverty is bad when people are forced into it against their will will due to corruption. Now, let's talk about wealth. Individual wealth is not bad. Yeah, you heard me right. Individual wealth is not bad. And I'm going to say that again in a moment because, you know, I am a proponent of social justice. I have a podcast on social justice. I fight for the homeless and the poor. I fight against unjust systems and people would think, man, this guy must hate the wealthy because you hear all these people speaking against the wealthy, which ironically have people like Bernie Sanders, who's extremely wealthy, hating on the wealthy, which is really weird. But um, however, even though I fight for the homeless and the poor and for a just society and fight against unjust systems, I will not trumpet the false narrative of social justice warriors, which by the way, I am not a social justice warrior. Okay. I'm a, just a guy who's trying to, to live in justice towards my neighbor and trying to help others figure that out as well. But I will not trumpet the false narrative of social justice warriors that wealth is bad and that the rich are the problem. Individual wealth, I'll say it again, is not bad. The problem comes with wealth when people get rich through unjust means and when they consume their wealth on themselves. That's where the problem is. So, which brings us, by the way, to the point in the compendium that the purpose of wealth is so that people can bless the world. So there you go. If God allows you the opportunity to be financially wealthy, it is for the purpose of blessing the world, not yourself. Wealthy individuals have an amazing opportunity to do good in the world and to use their wealth to create a just world. I mean, if you had the means to do it and, and, and the passion and the vision to, for example, help the starving in Kenya, for example, would you do it? Well, if you had it, I would encourage you to do it. To, to leave behind a legacy that you took what resources God gave you, if they're an immense amount of resources, and you bless the world through that. You know, the wealthy have the potential to solve hunger crisis, and they have the potential to create businesses that pays employees a just wage uh, to lift them out of poverty. We've talked about, you know, just wages and uh, and. and employment justice in past episodes. Well, the wealthy have the potential to create that so that their employees 
can be blessed. And their employees can themselves enjoy a, a good life for their families and thrive. Here's a, a phrase coming up that you're going to hear, that you hear a lot, of, especially among Catholic circles, but wealth exists for the universal distribution of goods. That's why wealth exists, for the universal distribution of goods. God is using you as a, a conduit through which to bless the world. And so, so you're, the money isn't supposed to stop with you. It's supposed to flow through you and others. So God may have given you the, the intelligence to know how to make large amounts of money because he plans to use you as a conduit to flow through to get to bless the world for those who cannot. Now, one thing I want to say before I go on is I'm not talking about socialism here when I talk about distribution of goods. Again, anything where the government forces you to do something is, is not necessarily good. But what I'm talking about is that a person who has abundance, they can ensure that they distribute their abundance to those in need. And here's the key who cannot obtain it on their own. There are people in the world who just cannot get out of poverty on their own for various reasons. For example, the disabled, those who have disabilities struggle to come out of Poverty, that's where you as a wealthy individual have an opportunity to bless that person and help them out of poverty. Or say those in countries where there's natural disasters, where there's famine, where there's corrupt, gov I mean, governments so corrupt that most of the nation is poor. Well, and where wealth is not easily accessible. Well, that's where we, uh, especially as a wealthy nation, have the opportunity to bless the world. But what happens too often is we get hung up on ourselves and it all stops at us and, and it gets clogged up or like a dam that backs up the river. Rather, we're to be a free flowing river. God blesses us and we send that blessing out to the world. The universal distribution of goods. Now, let's talk about business. Because when it comes to economies, you have to talk about businesses. The main purpose of businesses is to produce goods, right? Now, that could be a physical good. For example, a car manufacturer physically produces a car. Uh, but there's also invisible goods. For example, the Internet. Uh, you're probably listening to this podcast through the Internet. No, you are listening to this podcast through the Internet. Well, that's an invisible good. You can't see the Internet. You can kind of see fruits of it, like you can see images on your screen. You can hear the podcast. You can see the logo because of the internet of the internet, but you can't see the internet itself. It's invisible. But internet companies like Xfinity and other companies, they produce a product, a good that is invisible. So the main purpose of business is to produce goods. But the purpose of the business further is to produce goods that are useful and beneficial to humans. Let me say that again. The main and real purpose of businesses is to produce goods that are useful and beneficial to humans. So, for example, let's take the example we've used before, farmers. Farmers are very useful and necessary. Otherwise, we wouldn't eat as humans. And the companies that produce the tools that farmers use. 
are beneficial and useful. However, many of today's businesses are not necessary to humans. I've got a friend who we go back and forth on what we call BS businesses, <laughs> like businesses that shouldn't exist because they do nothing to contribute to the good of the world. But many things that we produce now in society are just a waste. The real reason of economy uh, and of an economic system should be to help humans in their development towards God and in fulfilling their purpose for being in this life. That's, that's why economies should exist. So for an example, cars, cars are good. And I love cars, by the way, the day I turned 16, I was at DMV getting my driver's license. I could not wait to get my driver's license. And I love driving. I like getting, I like going over to central and Eastern Oregon out on the open highways in the desert. And I like just opening up the throttle and just driving seeing the landscape. There's just something about it. I, I really enjoy the act of driving. And cars are a good thing. They move people and things. And cars are a good thing when they move people and things to help those who deliver, for example, medicine to the sick. So like if somebody needs to deliver medicine to a community so that when people get sick, they can heal from that medicine. Well, that's a good use of a car. A poor use of a car and a, a waste is if we only use cars for the purpose of getting to movies all the time, for example. There's nothing wrong with going and seeing a movie. There's nothing wrong with relaxation and entertainment, but you got to keep in mind, I'm speaking in the midst of a society that is saturated with leisure and entertainment. So we could stand to back off of our leisure and entertainment a little bit. So we got to think, we got to ask ourselves, this product that my business produces, is this really honestly for the good and beneficial for humans and for the human family? Or should I rethink what I'm producing with my business? Now, let's get to the heart of the problem now. Because there's a lot of discussions on everything that's wrong with capitalism and everything that's wrong with socialism, everything that's wrong with communism and all these things. Let's get to the heart of the problem. No economic system can guarantee justice. So I want to make that clear as we get to the heart of the problem with current economic system is that no economic system can guarantee justice. As long as human families are around, there will be injustice built into every economic system. So the heart of the problem is the human heart. The human heart is the heart of the problem. We don't need a better economic system. What we need is a better human heart. If those who are corrupt and run the corporations, the government, etc., if they were to repent and become, have a good heart and they would repent and produce good acts and do what they do for the good of people, then we would have a better system. So through Christ, and as a person encounters truth, capital T, truth, then and only then will they act justly within an economy. The problem is that as humans, we are selfish, narrow-minded, and lacking in love. That's why we have the problems we have. It's not the system. Now, some systems 
in theory, are better than others. But when you put people who are selfish and lacking in love in charge of those systems, it doesn't matter how good of a theory you have, it's not going to work. When God instills love and mercy into the human heart, then a whole lot of problems get solved. And I think of St. Paul. St. Paul, the great apostle, uh, before his encounter with Christ, he was selfish, power-hungry, murderous. But after his encounter with Christ, he was doing things like ensuring that money was moved from the church in Corinth to the starving church in Jerusalem so that the people in Jerusalem could have enough to meet their needs. And so he got the rich church in Corinth to help the poor church in Jerusalem. In other words, St. Paul, after his encounter with Christ, began exercising just economics. Now, let's end today with this final section. I want to look in the Christian Bible briefly. I want to do a scan. And you can study this for yourself, but in the Old and New Testaments. In the Old Testament, we're, we're concerned with how did the nation of Israel run their economic system as directed by the Creator through enlightened saints like Moses. And then in the New Testament, we'll look and see how the apostles suggested uh, that we should run our economics now. So I want to look at uh, four things from the Old Testament. First is the Levitical laws. In the Levitical laws, and if you ever read the book of Leviticus, you might get quite bored. But if you look at that, hey, something dynamic is happening here with a just economy, might excite you a little bit more. But you've got laws in the book of Leviticus, such as when you build a house, uh, put a railing around your roof so that your neighbor doesn't fall off your roof. You're like, that's kind of weird. Why would my neighbor be on my roof? Well, back then they built flat roofs. And because they built flat roofs, you could go up on the roof and have a party. You could have tables and chairs on your roof and uh, enjoy the view from up there. And also, um, you know, just uh, eat and dine with your neighbor. And that's kind of cool. Just added an extra space to the house. The problem is people fall off of roofs, right? So one of the just laws in the book of Leviticus is build a railing around your roof so your neighbor doesn't fall off the roof of your house. Just economics. The Sabbath. And there's all kinds of laws. You'd have to read them. There's a lot of them, but they make sense. The Sabbath. The Sabbath was commanded by the Creator through Moses, and basically the whole nation of Israel had to take one day off a week. They had to take Saturday off and uh, do nothing. They, they had to cook all their food on Friday so they'd have enough to eat on Saturday because they weren't supposed to cook, weren't supposed to go to work. You know, they had to feed the animals, but they had to just do very, very, very minimal things to observe the Sabbath. In other words, they had to rest. And during that time, it... Uh, it if you had corrupt business owners who observed the Sabbath, and they didn't always, but when they did, it just gave them a break from continuing to rob people. I mean, there's all kinds of leveling out that happens on the Sabbath. Another one is the sabbatical year. Every If every seven days was the Sabbath, every seven years was the sabbatical year. And every seven years, the people of Israel were, were required to take a year off from work. You might be thinking, yippee, <laughs> I like that idea. Uh, maybe the Bible's not so bad after all. Yeah, 
Every seven years, they had to take a year off. They weren't allowed to plow the fields. They weren't. And if anything grew wild in the field that year, the poor were allowed to go in the field and pick it so they could eat. Sabbatical years. So there was a leveling out. The land was allowed to heal. People were allowed to heal. There's a lot of reset that happened that year. And then finally, you had the year of Jubilee. So every seven days, a day off. Every seven years, a year off. Every 50 years was the year of Jubilee. And in the year of Jubilee, you had to return properties to the original families that owned them. You had to cancel all debts. Are you listening, MasterCard? You had to cancel all debts. You had to all kinds of things. And you can read about the sabbatical year in the Old Testament. But then the sabbatical year was a huge economic reset for the nation of Israel. Again, everybody went back to zero on the same level and started all over. So what's happened, like in America, especially the reason why we have insane debt and all these craziness going on is because we never have a reset. Yeah, once in a while we have a recession. We might even have a depression, but that's not a real reset. There were resets. We need a reset, a year off to just boom, let the land heal, let people heal, and let everything go back to zero. And what that does too, it, it keeps economies from getting out of control. So think about that, just economy. Now let's look in the New Testament. In the New Testament, when after the time of Jesus, when the apostles around and the church becomes a reality, uh, you have the book of Acts, you have Paul's teachings and all of that. And there's basically three realities in the New Testament. One of them, you're not going to like it real well, but it's socialism. The early church, the very first people, few thousand people in the church, practiced a form of communism slash socialism. So what they would do, it said from time to time, in the book of Acts, it says from time to time, people would sell what they had, would sell their properties, rather. They would sell their properties. They would put the money at the feet of the apostles, and the apostles would distribute to anyone who was in need. Now, this is... Looks like socialism, it's different. Here's why. Because the apostles never demanded that people sell their properties. In socialism, it is demanded of you. However, what they did is they loved each other so much that they voluntarily sold properties and allowed the apostles in their wisdom to distribute it to those in need. So that could be what you might call voluntary socialism. I like the idea of voluntary socialism where people are just volunteering to have a socialist system that's not demanded of them, but rather saying, I want my goods to be distributed to others in need by those who are wise enough to know how to do it. The problem with socialism as an economic system is that there's never anyone wise enough to run it <laughs> so that it runs correctly. So that's never going to happen. But yeah, in the book of Acts, people voluntarily allowing their goods to be universally distributed to those in need. Uh, and that was just because those who were in need actually had a resource by those who loved them and cared enough. Another uh, look 
into the New Testament on just economics would be uh, St. Paul and the way he handled uh, the churches. So what St. Paul uh, would do is, for example, uh, because of persecution in Jerusalem, the churches in Jerusalem were basically, the people were starving to death because of persecutions. And so, but you had over in Corinth, which was a free city and the Roman Empire had a lot of wealth. St. Paul told them to give their money to and to become needy he says i want you to give your money to the point that you become needy so that the church in jerusalem can thrive and then once the church in jerusalem is thriving then they will give back to you and meet your needs so that there may be equality so the way saint paul envisioned a just economic system is that one group gives until it hurts to a group that's just absolutely in the brink of disaster And then once that group begins thriving, then they start giving back to the previous group, and then you have equality. Uh, That's not, again, it's not socialism or communism because it's voluntarily giving. And notice they didn't say, okay, Paul, you run the show. No, he's just saying you give directly to them, and then they will give directly back to you, back and forth. And so... I, you know, I like that idea. The, again, the universal distribution of goods. St. Paul's telling the church in Corinth that it's not your money. It belongs to the creator. He's given it to you to bless others. Now bless them. Okay. And then he's he has a word, too, to the church in Jerusalem. Once you guys are thriving, don't forget to give back to the church in Corinth. And because persecution will probably come their way as well, because it is the Roman Empire, after all. So uh, you see these just economic systems, this universal distribution. And St. Paul uh, had met with Peter and James and the other apostles in Jerusalem at one point, and they were sending him out to take the, the teachings of Jesus Christ to the, to the non-Jewish people in the empire. And the one thing, St. Paul says, the one thing they told me to do was to remember the poor. And he said, that is the one thing I was eager to do. So number one on Paul's mind was taking care of the poor, which was commanded by Peter. As you go out and I'm sending you out, take care of the poor. Paul says, that's what I'm exactly wanting to do. You see, so there was this idea that, that it's not all about me. In order for an economy to run for everyone's benefit, we have to stop making it all about me and start realizing there's an us to this component and that what I do affects others either positively or negatively. And then finally, uh, you have the real economy. In 1 Corinthians 13, uh, Paul's first letter to the Church of Corinth in 13th chapter of that letter St. Paul shows us the true economy that should rule the world and be run in the world, and that is the economy of love. Do you realize that love is an economy? Because when I love you and you love me, there is an exchange happening there. You see? So the economy of love, and what happens too often is... We don't realize that love has a universal distribution. So let's say, for example, have you ever been in a friendship or a relationship where it's all one way? Drives you crazy, doesn't it? You know, you give and give and give and give to this person, and all they do is take, take, take. 
Now, in order for there to be an, a just economy of love, there has to be an equal exchange between the two. But that's the greatest economy. It, it, that goes far beyond capitalism, far beyond socialism, far beyond distributism and all the other economies that could be out there. The truest and greatest economy that could, could really make a just society is the economy of love where I am looking out for my neighbor because I love my neighbor. <laughs> and it, an economy of love would actually put an end to wars. People are always talking about, I want an end to war. You want an end to war? Have an economy of love in place because Jesus commands us, love your enemies. So if suddenly pop, I got an enemy that pops up. I love that enemy. Why? Because I live in an economy of love. You see, I hate to break your heart, but capitalism is very selfish. Socialism is selfish. It's also very selfish. But an economy of love is where the people of that society are mutually giving themselves to each other. And I encourage you to go back and listen to the last episode where Bert Fitzgerald um, from the Catholic Worker House, you know, he where he basically spells out in his neighborhood how an economy of love is running. So, whoo, we made it. We covered a huge topic, like just economy. Didn't really cover all the details, but we kind of got a pretty good picture today. And it can be overwhelming to talk about economic systems, but, and we certainly have not exhausted this discussion. But I encourage you to continue this discussion with your friends and families. Did you know that the Lord of the Rings series, which I love, uh, which written by Tolkien and Narnia series, which I also love written by C.S. Lewis. Did you know that the Lord of the Rings series and Narnia were done together among friends? You see, Tolkien and Lewis were friends. And what they would do is they would meet up in a pub to compare notes on each other's writings of these books. They had an ongoing discussion and created two masterpieces of literature. I'm encouraging you. We're trying to create a masterpiece of a just society. And I encourage you to create a masterpiece of society through friendly discussion. Then, just as they picked up their pens and wrote, pick up your mantle of justice and get into action as you create a just society right where you are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through matradayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.